Today's episode is brought to you by Bluegrass Insurance Management. Bluegrass is a cohesive team of professionals with decades of experience in nearly all aspects of insurance services. A team with a singular purpose of providing excellent service and a personnel to work alongside your company to confront the challenges of our industry. If you want to be boots on the ground ready, turn to Bluegrass Insurance Management. www.bluegrassim.com You can also find them on Facebook and LinkedIn under Bluegrass Insurance Management or on X, a.k.a. Twitter, at Bluegrass IM. Bluegrass. Boots on the ground ready. Welcome to Boots on the Ground Ready. It's our third episode. We are on a roll. Uh, today, I'm here, Chad Trosper, but uh, my co-host, my normal co-host, Carl, decided that his regular work duties were way more important than this uh, fantastic podcast we got going here. So he uh, he decided to do that. And now I brought in a little uh, friend of mine from Tower Hill, Mr. Matt Stalker. Matt, you want to say hi? Hello, everyone. Yes. Now, Matt, 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 I've been I've been excited to get you in. We were actually going to get you in uh, as a guest speaker. Um, but then when Carl bailed, I said, you know what? I think it'd be good just to bring you in, and kind of test you out. See, see, no, see no how pressure. you got. No pressure. No pressure. Um, you know, Carl usually keeps the conversation going. I'm usually in the background going. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, and then I <laughs> laugh every now and again. But uh, so you got some you got some big shoes to fill, but I, I'm pretty sure you can. You handle this, right? Yeah. All right. <laughs> no, nope. you say Carl was an HR. Is that what happened? Yeah, yeah. I heard about that. And what was? I mean, I, I don't think we can get into specifics, but I heard he some things, huh? Yeah. We're, we're kidding, by the way. Yeah, he's fine. Um, I was going to start with uh, Carl's in surgery with like a kidney implant or something like that, but uh, I thought about that. I was like, well, people might take that seriously, so uh, maybe I should just go ahead and tell the truth that he just bailed to do regular work duties, which is good. You know, we want to do our regular work duties. We can't just have fun behind the mic all the time, right? So, all right. So I was going to start it up with some weather updates. Um, not a lot going on out there uh, currently. We do have a system. Uh, the models have been off and on uh, with it. it. It started out, actually, the euro was showing a uh, potential non-tropical low coming in the Gulf, spinning up a little bit uh, around Louisiana and kind of pushing through. Uh, it looked pretty gnarly. Um, you know, it was, uh, I think the pressure was like 999, which is a decent sized little system, but then it just disappeared, which they always seem to do every run. But now we're just showing some big rains coming in around that time, so nine days out. Um, some winds, some frontal winds from that, and uh, potentially some severe storms. So if you're out there, again, today's date, I want to make sure, is um, the 29th, which is, I believe, leap day. That's correct. Yeah, today's leap day. That only happens every four years, right? Yes. So it might be a lucky day or an unlucky day. Hopefully a lucky day. I'm hoping it's a lucky day. Actually, I did buy a lottery ticket uh, scratch off uh, this morning, and I did win $100. Yeah. Well, it's a $50 ticket, 
So the minimum you can win is the hundred dollars, right? So, but you know, it's a hundred bones, right? A win's a win. A win's a win. Um, so I'll probably take it and um spend it and lose it again. So I tend to do that a lot. <laughs> invest back into the lottery. D- invest right back in. Well, it goes to the school system, right? Here in Florida. So I'm I'm supporting the schools. Okay. That, that's how I kind of I, I don't think you can write them off. Well, actually, I think you can write them off. I'm so sure. you're saying and my wife can support the school. I just buy lottery tickets instead of volunteering for everything. Exactly. And you get the potential of winning. I'm going to tell her this. I think so. I think, I think it's a great little alternative. At least, you know, you know yeah. if you are doing it, you don't have to feel the guilt and shame of gambling. You can feel like you're supporting some children at the same time. So. She is a uh, volunteer in lots of the parent-teacher PTAs and all that. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I, I nickname it PTSD. Oh. Because it just seems like a little drama club yeah. it is my wife actually which is funny my wife actually got nominated for the uh, uh pta president at our high school in alachua um for my daughters my my two daughters go there at high school and she's uh all excited about she was telling me that the pta president i mean i guess supposedly have a ton of power like i don't understand how you have power but she says they make a lot of decisions and can make a lot of calls so they can and they get a lot of attention I like good it. and bad oh yeah good and bad oh good well we, we we might have to think of that maybe they can get some good grades out of that we'll know. get them to sponsor us Ooh, <laughs> make them right she's got the power so um all right let's get in uh let's get into knowing you matt um i know you as one of the guys was you know when i started you've been here for a while how many years 2008 Wow, you've been here. 15 years. 15 years. So I've only been here about seven. So 15 years. And I remember meeting you for the first time uh, coming into the office. I uh, I saw you. Um, you have a um, kind of a dry sense of humor, which is great, by the way. I'm not dogging you. Um, that, and, I, and at first I was like, I don't think that guy likes me. <laughs> I don't. He doesn't really talk to me and he's real quick and he's saying some stuff that's kind of off the wall. So I was like, I don't think. I don't think that guy likes me. So, you know, it took about, you know, about, probably about six months or so. And then I started lighting up with you because uh, I reported one of your good friends that was here uh, in the past. He was uh, my boss at the time. And I guess y'all were always in the office, you know, working and, you know, having a good time and talking at the same time. So I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. I got your sense of humor once I watch y'all to interact. And ever since then, I, yeah, I've enjoyed your sense of humor. That's why I told Carl, I was like, we have to get them in. Um, you know, and as a, as a guest speaker, at least, uh, because I think he'll do really well. And, you know, he's, I know you got some good stories, so I'll, you know what, I'm going to stop rambling on and I'm going to let you kind of take it over, but introduce yourself. Uh, talk about yourself. All right. My name is Matt Stalker. That's S T O C K E R not stalker. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I imagine you get that sometimes. The, um, yeah, I used to do that, but I don't do it anymore. Uh, yeah, yeah. We all learn a lesson. I'm a director in the claims department. You know, not of the claims department. Slight distinction there. <laughs> um, currently, I oversee segregation, uh, claims operations, and uh, what I'll call this claim system initiatives uh, department. Like we we work with systems and releases of new uh, claims apps and stuff oh. like that. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit about me: I was born and raised in Gainesville. Um, I graduated Hawthorne High School. You know. What we've that's way out there. Florida champs now, right? Basketball. That's way out there. That's, well, we lived in Windsor. Oh, home okay. of the Zucchini Festival, which Ooh. is in between. It's like on the edge of Gainesville, technically Gainesville, I guess, with the address. 
That sounds like a fun time. And uh, so I graduated there, you know, a long time ago, salutatorian. I went to UF, went to college a long time, and I'm not a doctor, you know. How long did you end up going to UF? Well, I, I worked, I went to Santa Fe Community College first, and then yeah. I went to UF. My total time in college is like eight years. <laughs> Chris Farley School of uh, Thought there, you know. Hey, so, it, it's a good time. I, I wish I never graduated. It was so much fun. Yeah, I yeah, I was the first person to graduate in my family. Congratulations from uh, college. So, so thanks for that. Yeah, um, I do have some nieces and nephews that have went to college, so didn't end with me. <laughs> um, I am married. I have three boys, uh, age fifteen. One just turned twelve, and the other one's going to be eleven this month. So, uh, that's just a little bit about me. Um, well, hold on about your boys. I think one of them used to play with my son who is um a 10 well, about to be 10 he um out there at trinity with soccer right well is that the 11 year old i think we're in the same league that one time uh back then it might have been but yeah yeah i mean they're old now right yeah um yeah we played uh what was it uh upward the upward? upward yeah yeah over there in the uh soccer leagues over there they still in sports or um they did basketball most recently upward, upward. They like that way more than soccer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got a good little. They got a good little uh, setup over there at the the Baptist Church, right? Yeah, it's yeah. um, yeah. We do we do it every year. I coach it uh, for my son over there too. So they like the basketball more than the soccer. Oh yeah, soccer. Uh, I don't, you know, I know it's soccer's popular yeah, in the world. But it's, it's, it's a tough, tough one. I don't enjoy coaching soccer. All I do is run around screaming, kick the ball, attack, 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 kick the yeah. ball. And these kids just look at me like I'm screaming. I'm like, I'm not screaming at you. I'm trying to coach you. I'm trying to encourage you. You would think that kick the ball would be you know, easy to like do. And, oh, yeah. and, and it's, it's amazing to watch a crowd of children run around with one person kicking the ball and the other one's kind of watching them, yeah. not really kicking it. I'm like, just kick the ball. Kick the ball. Like they can't kick it if you kick it. Yeah. I don't get it. And then when it, when it, when the ball's coming down, you know, I'm like attack, attack the ball, attack, attack. I'm just screaming. All the parents think I'm crazy. I'm just, attack, attack, attack. You know, and I got some kids that will attack the ball, and I got other kids that just look at me like, I don't understand what I mean. What do I do? I'm like, just, just get in front of the ball. You know, just yeah. do something. But soccer with kids is, um, mm, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I did. I enjoy coaching my son, but I did not really enjoy coaching soccer. I don't know a lot about it, but it is just hard to get everyone on the same page, you know, and try to orchestrate the whole passing and all that with children. It just doesn't. Work. Yeah, it's tough. And I don't, I'm not even a coach, but I'm, I'm one of those parents that, uh, you know, I coach from the sideline and I help. Oh yeah. Assist, one of those, you know, I love it. And, and, um, you know, I'm yelling the same, like you actually kick, oh, kick the ball. Get out of the goal. Don't stand in the goal. Because <laughs> it's a goal if you catch it. Oh, yeah. And that I love the rules of uh, upward is that there's a you have a small goal. It's probably like five feet wide for these kids. And then we're talking nine-year-olds, um, you know, first grade, third grade, whatever. And they have a little circle, you know, half circle is drawn out in front. And you cannot get in the circle. And when we would play, you know, because you can't have a goalie, right? You can have a defender stays outside the circle. But once the ball goes in the circle, you have to stop. So there's so many games where the ball would just go in the circle and all the kids would just crowd around that edge of that circle, watch the ball roll. And they're all like, no, no. And the other team's like, yes, yes. And it just rolls it. And it finally goes in and everybody goes crazy. But, you know, but then there's times where like the parent, you're talking about how you're the sideline parent at times. 
there's what we would do it. And some kid would step inside the circle and you think the whole freaking world fell apart. These parents are like, he's in the circle. He's in the circle. I'm like, there's no ref. And they are losing their minds about it. You, you, you saw that, right? That, I'm, not, I'm not making that up. I might have participated in that. I know. He's in the circle. So, um, but anyway, I thought that was funny. Um, well, uh, to be fair, you know, I, I, my kid was on, you know, obviously on the team, but I like to think I was, I was fair because I, I, I would coach other kids too. You know, like if, if they're throwing the ball and I try to help them throwing it in and stuff. And if I was on that end of the field, I might tell them like, Hey, you want to get out of the circle or, or whatever. So you might want to get out of the circle. I wasn't, I wasn't like, out of control, but uh, let's not ask my wife. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, dads do get like that. And I get like that coaching. Um, I haven't been a parent on the side because I usually coach all his stuff um, because I like to just be involved with that and make sure that he's, you know, I don't know. I just enjoy it um, outside soccer. But yeah, there's there's some parents that especially we're in baseball now. Have, have they tried baseball? Uh, one of them did T-ball early on. Just didn't take with it. Is that? Did you do that out there at uh, Diamond I nine I nine Diamond Sports Park? Yeah, that's where we do our practice. We do it with um, uh, Gator Ball out there at Jonesville, and um, I mean, we started out at Machine Pitch, and it was you know you know it was fairly competitive. They keep scoring everything, rankings, and you have playoffs, so it is competitive. Um, but then we got into Kid Pitch, and I tell you what, man, there. Because in kid pitch, now you have travel ball kids, right, who take it. I mean, that's just their life. That's all they do is play freaking baseball 24-7. And they'll come down and play in the league, right, uh, with, you know, some of – and there's a lot of beginners, but they'll come and play in the league. And their parents, I mean, they they get downright serious. Like, they are just they'll, – they'll get on the – they'll get on the ump, and they'll just – I mean, just rag this guy to death. I mean, it's just it, it can get brutal at times, especially when they you know make a, a weird call or a, you know, you know, infield fly or some of those little crazy rules. You just see people just lose their minds, and I'm like, I hope I don't look like that when I'm out here coaching because I do get intense, right? I want to win, and I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm screaming at little Billy. I'm like, Billy, get your glove on the ground, get your Billy, put your glove on, Billy, stop playing in the dirt, you know, and it's just like. <laughs> I just, and then I look over at the parents and I'm like, Oh, now I gotta say something. I gotta say something like, uh, you know, uh, something positive about Billy now. Cause I've been bashing Billy. You're doing a great job. And Billy's out there just doing nothing, but licking his arm and just sitting on one knee and just doing absolutely nothing. So, um, but I do get a little hyper out there and it's, uh, as you, I guess, as you grow in sports, it becomes a lot more apparent with parents on the sideline and, coaches it's just that's not too bad though i i have three boys right the oldest one is he doesn't like sports at all okay. and it took us a few uh seasons to 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 accept it um <laughs> i think his last soccer season it was at at nine was um he literally sit down in the middle of the field in the game oh one of those and we lost i actually i was a coach that that season or whatever you want to call it um and we didn't win a game. Uh, so my kid, that same kid, he he was, uh, we suck. <laughs> <laughs> he would run out of the field and, and he would just be like. He just wrote him off. <laughs> well, he well, he obviously didn't like soccer, but <laughs> but he literally sat down in the middle of the field in a game. And we're not talking like toddler. We're talking about 10 years old. So that was like, I think that was the last time we signed him up for a sport. That was it. Um, so, but I love that kid. Uh, 
to each their own, right? They'll yeah. find their path. They'll find it's not always sports, but um, all right. So we got a little bit into you um with your job description. I mean, you you mentioned that you do quite a bunch of different roles, and you do you do I'll do a lot. You're always involved. I lean on you a lot with the catastrophe um, when I need uh, when I need anything, right? So you deal with a lot of that operations aspect. You know, when I'm bringing new you know employees in. You know, if I'm looking at stuff, you work with the system. If I find a glitch in the system about, you know, assignments or things getting assigned out, I, you know, I reach out to you and you always take out. So you kind of a man of many trades, but now what do you enjoy the most? Like what is your kind of your go-to or what takes up the most of your time? Well, I mean, we, we, uh, in-house subro last year. Subro. So okay. that's, that's been taking up a lot of time. Let's talk about subrogation. So subrogation, right? Explain what subrogation is in case we got some newbies that are listening. Subrogation is a really long word. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the basically an act of an insurance carrier uh, trying to recover monies paid out uh, as a result of someone's negligence <laughs> on a cover claim. So an example would be your neighbor's tree, rotten tree fell on your house, your insurance policy fixes your roof, subrogation department will go after the neighbor to try to get the money back. Gotcha. Gotcha. So I like that. I, I like that example because when I was in the field, we've had situations like that where the tree was rotted, the limb fell and damaged the house. Um, and so that, you know, we take pictures, uh, obviously you want to gather great pictures and uh, to show that it was rotted, but there's times where it was not, you know, evident. Is that where you, do you come to a lot of situations where you, you want to pursue it? Obviously it broke. You can see that it was rotted out, but it wasn't kind of, apparent on the outside so maybe they didn't know it was are you still able to kind of yeah so you know tower hill is multi-state now so Mm -hmm. each state's different so i'm just going to reference florida it's the most familiar state to me um yeah so so there has to be some sort of notice of the tree's condition right and that can be actual notice where you know someone actually told them like hey that tree's dead or whatever or what they call constructive notice which means you should have known Okay. Uh, just through regular due diligence, maintenance, or whatever you want. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where we we land on as far as liability. Um, if there's nothing supporting us to to pursue the neighbor, you know, they didn't do anything wrong. Then I mean, there's not much we can do. We don't know how to pursue those. But in the clear examples of a totally rotten tree, um, maybe well, in some cases they someone cut it down and it fell. Mm-hmm. You know, that's those are pretty easy. Those are pretty easy. What, so what would you give advice to a field adjuster who goes out there in a claim, a situation like that? What would what would make your life easier, your case easier to uh, recover uh, right from the neighbor um, on a tree situation like that? What would you ask the field adjuster to look for and document? What would? Well, obviously the tree. So t- mm-hmm. take a picture of the foliage, wherever it is, if it's on the house or whatever, the entire tree from the tip to the where it broke from. Mm-hmm. So if that's the stump, you know, if we can get a picture of that, meaning without trespassing and getting shot, <laughs> you know, we can take a picture of the stump. That helps too. Um, gathering information about where that tree is in location to a property line. If it's, a, you know, if, if it's on the fence line, we mm-hmm. can you kind of would help to know that. I mean, clearly if it's the trees within the insured yard, then we don't really care, right, from the suburbs perspective. But um, when it's in the neighbor's yard, you know, just having pictures of the house with the foliage doesn't really help because sometimes we need to see the full full picture of the tree. All right. So gathering. So you would obviously want to take pictures of the 
um, outside of the tree showing that there was, you know, apparent rot going on. The foliage even showing if the tree's alive or dead, the limb, the area, if it was alive or dead. Uh, what about, should they canvas anybody or talk like, obviously they should talk to the insurer who's a representing or, you know, adjusting the claim for and see if, you know, they notified the neighbor or they have any documents or something like that. Do you, do they, do you get situations where the neighbor has like communicated with the other person and be like, your tree's rotten, bro. It's yes. Wrong. The insured has told them or texted them or sent a letter there are instances where that's happened. And that's good evidence, right? Yeah. It's good evidence, but you know, you know, each case is different. Mm -hmm. So a leaning tree doesn't mean it's necessarily un unhealthy. And if you really want to get in the weeds, you know, there is specific Florida statutes governing, you know, maintenance of tree overhanging tree branches and roots that cross property lines. Gotcha. You know, um, for example, the statutes pretty much state that, uh, you know, I have the right to trim back a tree or trim back roots, but I can't, you know, go after them for these branches falling on my house. Gotcha. Because I have the privilege to cut them back. Therefore, I can't also have you know, like the privilege to sue them because of the same branch. You can either cut them down or you can blame them for it. And Florida said you can cut them down. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Well, I know if you hang over, you can you know, trim up to your line and stuff like that. So, yeah, but oh, that that's interesting. Um, That's Florida. Yeah. Florida's uh, Florida can be very confusing. I think, I mean, don't, do you, do we come out with the most statutes and updates and laws than any other state or is there someone that kind of. That's out, probably Lincoln. Lincoln, Lincoln question. Yeah. I would think Texas would probably because they in Louisiana they've stepped it up, but um, Florida it just seems like something new is coming out all the time where we have to revise yeah. this or revise that. So, um, so good advice to you insureds out there, uh, policyholders is if you do come in a situation like that where you your neighbor's tree's rotted, right, and it's about to you know potentially are leaning and it could potentially damage your property in a storm or. Uh, eventually crack and break is to possibly get some documentation over to that neighbor and write it up and have them sign it if they will they'll probably just crumble <laughs> it up and throw it in your face but you know take pictures of it document it if you have a conversation about it document it uh, because you never know it's better safe than sorry i've done that i've had neighbors do that and i, I knew to do it because i've been in the insurance industry um so i've you know written them and said okay look just fyi i'm, I'm talking to you about this can you acknowledge that and, they, and most of the time they're fine with it they signed it and said yeah i'll take care of it and most of the time they took care of it right so i never really had to do anything but i had something to fall back on so i like to protect myself i don't like spending money unless it's on the lottery yeah really supporting children yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh so um any good stories any great stories well, I did listen to the previous episodes. So I, the last episode I'll, I'll refer to as the murder episode, right? Are you guys? Uh, oh, yeah. The claim I had out in Sebring. The second half. Very that was dark. So, we did get a little dark. And I think it was for your, your old employer that has those catchy commercials. Oh, yeah. So I was curious if they had a nickname for that claim, you know, like the... <laughs> you know, the, did they come up with a nickname? No, there wasn't a nickname for it at all. There was... um. It was actually like I was telling Carl. It was on. It was on the news. It was on CNN. Um, and of course, I, I think I back when they, I don't even know if they have it anymore. Tivo, Tivo is that what it was called? Tivo it. Tivo it. Um, we done lost that by now. But anyway, I thought it was really interesting. But it was on the news. It was in the paper. Um, 
And that was horrific. I mean, that was the first time I've ever adjusted a claim that involved, you know, death. And, and like I was telling Carl, man, it, it stuck with me. I had to like, I don't know. It just, the smell of the house, even though they got it and everything, it, the, it was just, it was just dark. It was a bad feeling and it's just not good. Yeah. I don't, I don't have any, um, you don't have any murder subrogation. I mean, I have murder liability files from the day, but, um, I'm not walking in smelly rooms or anything like that. Um, (laughs) so as far as like, I mean, I don't, I don't, I'm trying to think of good stories. You guys set the bar pretty high. No, man, doesn't need to be good. I mean, it can be okay. You got any okay stories? Someone taking your ladder. Uh, once you grab those lights, I can't get out. My back hurts. I, as long as I don't fall. Oh, you're fine. Hurt myself. I got the wires in front of me, so I'll fall. But oh, look, there you go. You, so people, we're not on video or anything. But Matt's like, what are you like, six eight? No, six four. <laughs> you're same. You look, you look taller than me. I'm six four. We're the same height. You just stood up, and the lights were like. Hi. I think all like. We're, we're considered tall, right? I think we are uh, tall people. When they see other tall people, they're like, man, you're tall, you know, because we just used to average height people. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's funny. I think like most tall people do that. They're like, yeah. Well, I measure up myself to tall people. Like I see a tall guy walking by and then I'll, I'll just go out of my way to walk next to him to see, you know, he looks really tall. So I wonder if yeah. I'm that. And I'm the same height. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty tall. Same you're thing with my truck. I, uh, in, in my, uh, tenure at UF, uh, I took, <laughs> I, I took a opportunity to take a basketball class and, um, Matt Bonner, uh, you know, Gator, probably Gator great. I would call, uh, he was in that class. And, uh, so I always felt the big guy, right now. He's like a whole nother foot taller, half foot taller. It's amazing how tall those basketball players. Yeah. Play. And he had like four elbows, you know, cause it, it you know, I had to guard him. And it just felt like, like, wow, I've never had an elbow there before, you know, playing basketball and stuff. So, was and this was class. This was basketball class. What's he doing in the basketball class? Probably getting an easy A. I don't know. Oh, like, this was a class, though. So. I mean, I learned, I mean, I'm not, a, I didn't play organized sports. And as a kid, my dad kept us out of sports because my oldest brother broke his collarbone playing throw up tackle. You told me about that. And um, so, that basketball class was really good. I actually learned a lot, you know, in that class. That's cool. So I liked it. It was pretty cool. Yeah, it's amazing how tall basketball players are. When I was in college at UF, um, we would go out to Fat Tuesdays um, on New Year's Eve, and the, and all the basketball players would stay uh, because they had games or some tournaments that so they would be in town. But um, they would be out there at Fat Tuesdays, and I mean, I felt it made me feel insecure. I, they were six, you know, seven, not seven foot, but you know, the six, eight, four inches makes a huge difference. It does. And then 300 pounds. And then, yeah, they're just monsters. And I'm like, gosh, I'm just scrawny six, four. I felt big. And now I feel small. So anyway, all right, we're not getting around it. Give us a story. All right. Um, I'm putting you on the, the spot. No, I know. I mean, I, I mean, I have more like stories from when I was a liability field adjuster. Go for it. Um, as far as, uh, interesting files, um, I mean, some are gross, but I mean, there, there's a dog bite claim where, you know, the house smelled like the bathroom urine, you know, it was, and I had to sit on the couch. Oh, 
years. So it was, it was probably the one of the largest feats of like exercise I've ever done was act like I'm sitting on the couch, you know, because I didn't want to be on the boat. It was a burning smell that bad, you know. And so I had to sit there and interview the insured. And I knew it was their little yippy yap dog that had, you know, the, to, the lifelong nemesis of the dog is the mailman. It was a mailman by claim. And uh, just being in there, feeling my skin crawl, that that was nasty. So he was the insurer. Yeah, yeah. yeah it was, uh, and it was a Tower Hill claim. But what'd they do? Uh, it's stupid dog. I got through the door to deliver a package, and it nipped. I mean, it was it was it was a nothing claim. Did it do anything to the dog, or did the dog get away with it? it I mean, no, the dog stayed there. Oh, good. Um, you don't want to go around killing dogs. No, no, no. It's like a little. Furball, uh, you know, nothing that. Like, why are they so aggressive? Like little dogs are so pissy, and they're always barking and yapping, and just seem angry all the time. You got big dogs, you know. I mean, they just like I got big dogs, and I got a small dog. My small dog is constantly barking at the neighbor's dog, like I will tear you apart, I mean, <laughs> yeah. and nonstop. And then I got my big dogs that just sit back and literally just sit there and stare, like. I think she's got this. I don't think we need to get involved in here. I mean, I'm good. They don't have yeah, to prove nothing. You can, uh, I mean, the, I guess you let that dog out with the other one. That stops right away. Mm -hmm. But yeah, the old, the <laughs> stops right away. <laughs> the saying, the bark is, you know, louder than bite or whatever. That, that That's what applies there. Yeah. My in-laws have a little yippee yap. Uh, I don't know what mixture, a little furball dog. Um, and that dog does the same thing. It acts like it's going to like, you know, like destroy you and then and then when you open the door it's like hmm man i'm just gonna go back inside <laughs> you ain't gonna do that yeah. um so how'd that how'd that case turn out well, i don't even think we paid anything on that didn't even pay for the guy's bite yeah it's an interesting thing and this is kind of a boring note but like and, and, I, and I, I i did liability a while back i mean i'd give it a whole background i'll give you a quick background of my experience so my career began in retail for nine years. Then I began insurance in 2002, where I went to Florida Farm Bureau mm -hmm. as an all-lines adjuster for, cool. a, for a year. Uh, I took a job uh, at Liberty Mutual for the next five years because we moved. My wife, my fiance at the time, mm -hmm. we moved down to Fort Lauderdale. Um, so I worked at uh, Liberty Mutual as a liability adjuster and a regional trainer. Um, and then I took the job here at Tower Hill back in 2008. Um, so I have a lot of liability experience. Um, and, and in particular, like, and this is the rules back then, um, government workers, like, like a, uh, mailman, mm -hmm. the government can actually represent the injured party for the claim. Oh, so, so I, it was, I think what was happening was the post office was pushing the claim, not so much the individual guy, um, that got bit. Oh, so, um, it ended up being a nothing burger claim, um, you know, and that's a lot with all the animals. Like, I, I, here's a funny animal one. So I had, uh, we had you know, like pit bull claims, right? The, oh, yeah, the old vicious dog claim. Uh, and there was one claim I went out on, and I'm and uh, I went out, and, and it was a the the story was <laughs> the dog went under a fence and chased down this child and bit her, right? Like not like bad, but probably one of those like iron, you know, just kind of bitter scratched her not, not you know wasn't trying to murder her necessarily uh -huh. but still a dog bite scary right you imagine a dog running into like the park yeah under a fence yeah crazy right scaring the yeah it went like that 
Yeah. So when I go to interview the policyholder, I'm like, hey, and he goes, no, this doc's so nice. You know, <laughs> like he's like holding the leash, like the all power, <laughs> and he's like pulling it out. I'm like, dude, just put the dog away. I'm like, it already got no, it. I'm let like, it. He, he, want, he wanted to like do a parade with it in front of me. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, nah, I don't need to see that. I already know he bit somebody. I'm like, it was like, just just do me a favor and put the dog away. And I was like, you know, they're in denial. They're like, my dog's innocent. It literally ran from your door through a fence and chased a kid down and bit it in the butt, bit oh. a kid in the butt. But I'm like, I don't know, you know, how are you going to stand behind that? They call that a, a what? They call that a million dollar wound. Well, that and was, did you get my throw back there? No, it was Forrest Gump. No, I, I, I've seen the movie, but I, I don't remember. Where'd you get shot? I got shot. They said it was a million dollar wound, but I never saw any of that money. <laughs> That's pretty well, good. I, it was pretty good. The the most often reference I, I do to Forrest Gump is sometimes it was even coming up from underneath. <laughs> <laughs> talking about the rain. Yeah. It was sideways. Yeah. Yeah. It was cold up for love of me. Yeah, so I like uh, that was a good movie that caught me by surprise. Uh, like when I went to see that movie, I was like, oh, what's this going to be? A it's not a Tom Hanks comedy, you know. Back in the day, Tom Hanks had a bunch of comedy movies, and then he started going serious. And it was like, uh, and then this movie ended up being a comedy, and it was like that's like a really good movie. Oh, it's a great movie. I, yeah. My kids, I, I showed it to them because they always, you know, hear me do those those references, but um. They loved it too. I mean, it's it's kind of a what do you call it? An ageless film. Yeah, it holds up even holds the CGI. Up. Yeah, it, 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 I mean, it's just uh, I could still watch it. That and you know, I'm getting off topic, but whatever. Um, that and Brother Where Art Thou is one of my favorite movies in the world. Have I don't you think seen? I saw that one. You never seen Brother Where Art Thou? Is that the one with uh, James Clooney? Yeah, or George Clooney. George Clooney. He's like he goes into the thing. He's like. He goes on. He wants his hair pomade. Is that he goes dapper Dan. Yeah, he goes. We got fop. He goes fop. I don't want no fop. I'm a dapper Dan man. <laughs> and then the kids, you got that. Mama said you got hit by a train. I ain't get hit by no train. Yeah, it's, I saw it. But I don't remember it. So I, I don't. I, don't <laughs> one up there. I could I, go on for hours. But I remember on. dapper Dan part of it. Yeah, but and dapper Dan man running down the street or something. No, they were always running. They were escaped prisoners. No. So. Um. Any other stories? I like your stories on the liability. Um, they're good ones. I mean, I had a mediation one time where, where you know, I don't know if you're familiar with mediations, but like, like, uh, litigated files, mm -hmm. oftentimes in Florida, the court will order mediation, like, you have to at least try to mediate. And we had this case, um, this might have been a Liberty Mutual case. Actually. Explain mediation real quick, just in case someone doesn't know what it is. Well, mediation is, is, is like a basically where you have a neutral mediator and each party argues their side and the mediator works to try to see if it can help you guys. So where there's a standstill between yeah. the, the, the insured and, and the, uh, the carrier. Well, well, well in, in this case, it would be a claimant in the at fault party. In the at fault party. Okay. Yeah. Allegedly at fault party. So you have the kind of like the parent come in and try to figure out, try to convince everyone to settle, right? To settle. Okay. Good. Um, cause that's ultimately how you resolve a claim, right? Pay it. Um, so, you know, we had this mediation where the actual offer from the claimant was, if you give me a chance to hit you in the head with a bat, because that, that was his, he was equating that was with the pain that his wife was feeling. Was this his counter offer? That was the offer that was presented by the media. I'm interested. And, and I'm like, well, tell you what, 
as long as I get an, a counter offer, uh -huh. I said, I'll, let's do it. Okay. Yeah, nothing happened. You didn't, well, we, what was your counter offer going to be, though? I get to hit him with the bat. That was my my response. So he hits offer. you in the head with the bat. That was the offer. Is there a time limit? Because he could knock you out. He could, but I, I knew he was full of... Uh, just, you know, that would have been a great one to see. It might have been. It was might have not have been. What, what kind of bat, though? Are we talking a wolf bat, or are we talking... No, I think it was a principal. You know, it was like, just the like, principle. Oh, y'all didn't get the specifics. See, I'm, 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 I'm really into this now. Yeah. That, by the way, the the claim was weak for them. It was like a claim where they totally inflated everything, and it was just it was, <laughs> it was. We call it a bunk. You know, a bunk. Bunk. You know, it was a bunch of bunk. That was my. Old what do they call that in baseball? It's a balk. A balk. When you know, I don't even like that's something. I don't want to get off track. I guess, but. What the hell is a ball? So it's when the, um, I think if he, uh, and people are going to tear me up, but um, it's when the pitcher acts like he's about to throw, but doesn't. Yeah, but I, I get the idea of a ball. It's a free base, all that. But what is a ball? Like, because I was watching this poor Stands kid. for something, doesn't it? I was watching this poor kid on, 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 I think it was John Boy Media. I don't know if you can watch that, but um, it's a sports comedy kind of uh, YouTube channel. And, um, the kid was, I guess, when you step on the the rubber, right, and then if you step off, like, like I don't understand, like an illegal motion made by a pitcher that may deceive a base runner. Okay, well, it, that doesn't help. It's very technical, and like it, it's like you know, you don't get a good explanation. Like when you see it happen, well, what it stands for though, uh, maybe they just make it. Baseball players just make up words but i hear him screaming all the time bok 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 yeah bok bok so i don't even remember what happened with the case by the way if it settled it didn't settle that day um but i'm pretty sure it settled later the mediation one yeah well how much money have you um let's switch over subrogation how much what's your biggest recovery well like an individual file it's not that much believe it or not i mean we've had some close to seven figure but you got to remember that we can only recover as much as we pay. That makes so sense. if the policy only pays, you know, so much out, then you only get that much back, or at least a percentage of it. Because I, I, when I was in the field, I did a lot of, you know, I, I was a big, you know, subrogation person out in the field. I always thought about subrogation a lot and salvage, um, especially dealing with mobile homes. But with subrogation, like you know, we would have like ice maker leaks a lot, and you would always, I'd be like. Have you is this brand new? Have you had someone come out repaired? Did the repairman more times than not? A week earlier, there was a repairman out there, you know, putting in the ice maker line or replacing the ice maker line or doing something with the refrigerator to move it around. And we would always end up recovering for it. You know, it wasn't a lot of money, but still, I mean, yeah. I was I, I love those files because I feel like, you know, let's get them, you know, it's your <laughs> fault. You know, we shouldn't pay out. But um, we would get a lot of those and um, what was the other one? Ah, I lost my train of thought, but there was also another one. But what, what what's the most from one claim? What hundred thousand? No, I mean closest close to seven figures. Seriously, so we've is that some, commercial or residential? No, these are residential fire losses, uh, probably. I'm trying. I, I don't see. I don't remember specifics. We had at least one seven hundred thousand dollar one. Um, whose fault? Oh, I can't remember. That's the problem. Yeah, you, you, when you. When was it one of those little deodorizers you plug in the side of the wall? We've had those. I used no, to. I want to say. 
I can't, you know, I can't remember it. That's annoying. That's a lot of money not to remember. It is, but I mean, that's an older file for one, and I'm getting old, dude. That's <laughs> true. I remember everyone. Um, I just, I can't remember. I know we've had some success against motor, motor, you know, car manufacturers, mm-hmm. even when you think like they wouldn't pay. We had the best. We, you know, we collect about a hundred grand on one where, uh, allegedly the car was beyond the statute of repose, which, you know, the, in, in Florida, you, you know, back in the, back then, um, you only have, uh, was it 12 years to pursue a uh, product defect case, mm-hmm. um, and 10 years to pursue a, a construction defect case, yeah. which just changed the law on that. But at the time it was, a we're dealing with a 12 year and there was, this is an old, I'm not going to say the car, but it's an old car that was slightly older than the statute of repose. And there might've been an issue with the recall notice. So we ended up getting a hundred grand out of that case when, when we really felt like the uh, manufacturer would argue statute of repose. Wow. I just didn't. That's good to know. I didn't know there so, were those time limits. So it's why you try because you never know, like, you know, some of these manufacturers may not be paying attention to that or they felt their case was weak on the, on the, recall issue because they can have issues that you never learn like you know like like maybe it was improper recall notice or something mm-hmm. weird behind the scene um and they don't want to reveal that in discovery so maybe they're more likely to try to settle but um so we've had success against that um we've had um you know fire cases where the tenant uh, has a rental policy and cooking fire those are pretty easy uh, but usually they're lower limits. They're only like a hundred grand. Uh, so those are pretty quick and easy ones that we can collect. Though. Um, you mentioned that when you were out in the field and, mm-hmm. and um, getting all that information. So, uh, you know, just kind of like subrogation department, at least Tower Hill, we, we try to get the money, right? That's our main focus is trying to recover the money, but tying it back to the claims department, they help us identify document and refer subrogation. So it's like a teamwork, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so we rely on that as well. So like if you're the field guy and you're going out to get all the information, that's going to help us greatly because the less time we have to spend on the phone trying to get basic information, the more effort we can put on trying to recover. Do y'all deal a lot with um, depending on experts? Um, yeah. Like we fire have, experts? We, we work, we coordinate with SIU on uh, fire expert. Carl. Yeah, so we have a relationship there um, where we we just we don't want us both sending an expert out. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So we tried to coordinate, uh, you know, make sure we're only sending one, and and uh, you know, just kind of communicate on that. Um, fire, you know, obviously, and then we do a like ton of water claims, right? Yeah, so like every, plumbing or yeah, every water claim is caused by something that broke, right? Um, so it's who installed it and how old is it? Those are the basic questions mm-hmm. you need there. And some of them are easier than others. Um, some, uh, some of the manufacturers, they don't respond until you sue them. What about that? We, when I was, it was a long time ago when I was dealing with, with the field with these, but with the mobile homes, they had a lot of uh, older homes that were um, plumbed with, uh, and I'm probably saying the wrong, polybulene pipe, gray like, piping. Are you like, is it poly? Are you okay? Not you're not talking about packs. You're talking about the the not packs. The 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 old gray pipe that they 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 used back in the early nineties. Yeah, no, um, and then they found issues with it that they was dissolving from inside and it was popping all over the place. Big yeah. lawsuit. Um, so 
that predates anything I've been involved with. I think, um, and some of that stuff, like, like those type of things are probably beyond the statute or pose now. Yes. Yes. More than yes. Tenure. They were. They were. Um, but there's similar idea, like with corrugated stainless steel tubing, which is used in gas. Uh, you know, when you have gas installed in homes, they mm-hmm. have this corrugated CSST running throughout the home, and there was issues with bonding it properly. Um, by bonding, I mean attaching a ground, so if it gets struck by lightning, the lightning doesn't the, explode. Yes. Exactly. Wow. Or sometimes during install. The installer would nick it, you know, damage the pipe, and that become a point of weakness. So with a lightning strike, load. Oh my god! So that was a big thing, probably ten years ago or so. But we don't see it as much as far as uh, like production, like quality issues with the piping itself. Uh, if anything, it would be like an install issue if they didn't bond it. I have. When I was in the field, it was space heaters. So when we we're talking about, I know we're talking about water, but I was, you know, with fires, I would space heaters were the biggest one for us people just leave space heaters on especially during the christmas time you know i don't in, in, near a christmas tree and the christmas tree just like that will just yeah fire up and it's amazing <laughs> christmas yeah there, you should see that uh i think there was a video floating around from one of these um fire companies where they mm-hmm. actually did a tree yep. a dry tree and it just it's kept, a it's like it's, it's like crazy. Gasoline. Like when we, after Christmas, we always get our tree, you know, we take our tree out and I'll cut it up and use it for firewood. But I use the branches um, to start fires instead of buying the starter log because, you know, it's, yeah. things are like 20 bucks, whatever. So I, I'll do that. And I mean, I'll, I, one, I remember the first time we did that, I just stuffed it a lot under the grate. I mean, I just kept piling it under and I put the wood on top and I kept pushing it under. I lit that thing with the with the gate open on my fireplace and i it was just like it made the loudest sound and my children panicked and then i panicked a little bit because i was like because the fire got so big and it went straight up you know obviously through the chimney shooting i was like oh my gosh i'm going outside to see if the smoke's coming out because i'm thinking this fire is so big i mean i wonder if it's too hot gonna burn my chimney down or you know catch the house on fire but it was instant how fast it went. I mean, right when that, that lighter touched the first little needle, it was like, Poof. now that's a fire. That, <laughs> that's a fire. Yeah. Fire marshal bill. Oh, that's a throwback. Yeah. I have a friend that looks just like him too. That's not that good. I guess. No, no, no. I mean, I mean, he has to distort his face. You don't look like that all the time. <laughs> okay. That would be weird. We used to call him skip skipper. Uh, one of my boys, um, he uh he used to do the fire marshal bill and he would man he would he would hit it dead on. Jim Carrey is a legend. Yeah, he is. He is. I wish he'd go back to the comedy aspect, but I don't I know what he's doing now. I saw him in a movie. I didn't even know what he was in. What was that? It's some dystopia type movie. It's gross actually. Oh, it's got uh Jason Momoa in it. They're like cannibals or something. Oh, and uh, Jim Carrey's is this wandering nomad character in the desert. I'm like. Holy crap, that's Jim Carrey. Oh, is that new or old? Of it. I can't remember the name. It's, it's in the last couple of years. Um, but I don't remember the movie, but it's just Jim Carrey's is like where it has a beard and everything. I just like didn't recognize it. I think the last one I saw of him was uh, Penguins, where he had all the penguins. You got kids. You never watched that one? Something. Yeah, Penguin. I think that was a pretty good movie. It was all right. Like it was like that's like ten years old now. Yeah, it's pretty old. That and where he couldn't uh, the the couldn't couldn't tell a lie. Uh, that's called, I can't remember. That I can't remember. I remember that was movie. a good one though. Uh, 
Uh, yes, not yes, man. That's yeah, but yeah, I think it was yes, man. Liar, liar. No, it was liar, liar. Yeah. They're similar. It's like two or three movies. They all seem the same. Yeah, yeah. He was he was great. Fire Marshal Bill in Living Color. Yeah, that was a good show. Yeah, that and the Living Color was some people probably if they're listening to us, they were like, "What are you talking about, Living Color?" But that was back in the early '90s, and I used to love the dance group at the beginning. Um, the Fly Girls. The Fly Girls, and there was a blonde that was part of the fly girls and I had the biggest crush on her. And, uh, I think it was in ninth grade, eighth or ninth grade loved her, but uh, didn't like JLo. She was there. JLo was on a fly girl. That's her career. Star. Really? Yeah. I don't like JLo. She does nothing. for me. Yeah. No offense. Like, you know, None just taken. in case JLo's listening. None taken. JLo. <laughs> I had her lined You're up good as person. a sponsor. Night. Yeah, just blew that. <laughs> Thanks a lot. Uh, all right, Matt. Well, I'm a, we're hitting a 50-minute uh, mark. Uh, I think we got some good. You did a good job. Thanks. And I'm proud of you. Okay? I appreciate it. I, I really am. I'm proud of you, and I'm proud of all the things that you do in your <laughs> family life, and your career life. <laughs> but uh, I do appreciate you stepping in because I gave you really a day's notice, I think. And uh, you wrote back. You were like, I come in next week. I'm like, no, 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 not next week. This week. I need you in Thursday at 930. And you did it. So appreciate it. I owe you one. All right. You gotta, but I'm not going to let you hit me in the head with a bat. No, that's okay. Oh. And and uh, sorry I didn't have any good murder stories. No, it was great. You had a dog bite. The story. only one murder story I have is confidential. I can't say anything. Yeah, about you don't. Um, and I, I mean, I called Boots on the Ground Ready. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I figured that because there's like a bunch of uh, podcasts out there with Boots on the Ground. And they, maybe they're ready. Makes you think, but why not Chadcast? Yeah, well, then Carl would get upset. Okay, that's true. We could call it Ch- Carl or Cast. Yeah, Carl. Like Carl. Well, here's the thing. A little side note, maybe for a future episode. <laughs> Carl, okay. Carl was on an episode of Cops. Oh, my gosh. So was he the cop? When he had hair. When he had hair. He was undercover or whatever. He's like a little. Uh, okay, mul- so we're going to get that. Yeah, he's a little mullet rolling around. Oh like it's like a mullet. So. He was on the episode of Cops. So hey, Eric, yeah. don't let me forget that, people. Um, I'm gonna have to write that one down. But um, all right. Well, hey, I appreciate it. Uh, we'll have you back soon. Um, and that's it. So we'll take it easy, everyone. Uh, have a good day. I appreciate y'all listening, and we are out. Thanks, everybody. <laughs>